to the David Glenn Show. More of your phone calls later, a couple of other great guests later. Joining us now, as promised, live from Las Vegas. He's there for ESPN, covering the NBA Summer League. Former Virginia Tech basketball coach right here in our backyard. He is still the ESPN basketball analyst extraordinaire. Seth Greenberg, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? Yeah, I'm back from Vegas. You know, you can't stay in Vegas, but some. Oh, you're days. back. I back. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I had a good talk in uh, Nashville and had another one on Monday, but I'm back sitting here in beautiful Avon, Connecticut, sitting on the deck and uh, working on some stuff for the TBT. The basketball tournament's coming up, man. Come on, $2 million. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I know you're a fan. It's, we have kind of a weird connection, Coach, but we'll see if we can fight through it. Uh, the basketball tournament, one of the fun parts to me, has been guys associated with individual schools, sometimes from even slightly different generations, you know, basically rally together and build their own roster and to a degree, you know, represent either their university community or their, uh, you know, their former coach or their uh, fan base or whatever. Uh, and you like the level of play in the basketball tournament. Tell us what you've seen. I like the level of play. Actually, the level of play is better than in the summer league because, you know, let's face it, you lose a game, you're done. You're playing for $2 bucks. You know, every single play, I always say, no marshmallows allowed in EBT. Because if you take a playoff, you lose a game, you're done. And then the ending of the games has got this elam ending where, you know, with four minutes to go, it's basically a seven-point game. Whoever is winning, all right, they've got to score seven more points. Uh, and the game is over. If the other team stay down four, they've got to score 11 points. So there's no sense of bowing down the end. you just got to get a stop. It's great. The alumni teams are unbelievable. Because, look, it's, it gives the guys a, a chance to put that uniform on as a group, that shared experience, one more time. Uh, so TBT is great, man. There were probably more eyes on Zion Williamson of Duke at the Summer League, at least at the very beginning, than anybody else. And we've now seen the Pelicans pull him out. They talked about minor back issues, minor knee issues after some knee-to-knee contact in that weird game that was even up, interrupted by an earthquake. What did you see from Zion in that fairly brief glimpse of him in an NBA uniform? And I know you tweeted at least some concern about him at the NBA level going forward. Not, not concerned. He's got to get in shape. He was about 310 pounds probably. He was ter- in terrible condition. And I know why the Pelicans stopped, you know, pulled him for, from the summer league. It's because, one, you can't get better until you're in shape. Number two is, why would you risk injury with him playing at a weight that, you know, potentially uh, he's more susceptible to injury? I mean, uh, yeah, look, he dunked the ball four times in nine minutes. Uh, you know, he did some good things, but he couldn't change ends of the court. He couldn't guard ball screens. He couldn't pursue balls away from him like he normally does. And, you know, he got drafted. He didn't work out for anyone. He's probably been on these PR tours for the Pelicans and whoever, you know, he's going to sign with his shoe contract. I'm not questioning his potential. Uh, the big thing these guys got to understand is, or he has to understand is, you know, his body is like a race car. Right? What you put into your body will determine how fast you run. And he just needs to take better care of himself. He's got to get in world-class shape. At the way he's at, playing 82 games, and the pounding and the back-to-backs and the number of possessions, because there are so many more possessions in the game, in the NBA, uh, he, he, would not, he would eventually break down. So I thought, that, I thought the Pelicans made the right decision. 
Seth Greenberg's joining us from ESPN. Follow him on Twitter at Seth on Hoops. I know there's a lot of guys out there, and you didn't see every game, but give us an example or two of maybe the first-year players that just jumped out at you at, as being ready to play and in shape and making that really strong first impression as professionals. You know, it was really sad because, like, DeAndre Hunter, uh, he played one game, my last game, I should he is for Virginia, but you know, think about the, the summer league, uh, Zion got shut down. John Moran wasn't, wasn't right. able to play. R.J. Barrett didn't play at a very, very high level. Uh, the guy that really jumped out, I mean, if you look at the big picture, was Tyler Hero was terrific. He really was. He shot the ball with confidence. He shot it deep. He, he played off the bounce some. Uh, he made some plays out off of ball screens. I thought he was really, really good. Uh, I thought that Carson Edwards uh, from Purdue was excellent. Excellent. Uh, I thought that he was aggressive. He was attacking. Uh, he's just so strong. And unafraid, I guess, is the the word. Uh, Jackson Hayes, I, I, he, I wasn't there when he played, but he's going to be a good player. I thought it was a great draft pick for the Pelicans. Chris Clemens from actually Campbell had a couple of big, big nights while we were there and uh, has a chance to be an exciting player. Here's the thing about the Summer League. I don't get too worked up. Some guys get worked up about the Summer League. I'm the anti-Summer League guy when it comes to that. I make no evaluations on the Summer League because here's the deal. You're playing against a bunch of dudes that are not going to be in the league. You're playing against a bunch of dudes that, at best, are trying to earn a two-way contract, basically. You know, every team has one or two guys, like Jared Colbert didn't play in the summer league either. Uh, so, I mean, it's a hard to get a good evaluation. What it is is it's their first dress rehearsal. Like, you know, people are overreacted to R.J. Barrett. Right. Now, R.J. Barrett's got some transition to do. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, there, is, there are parts of his game that uh, he's got to develop uh, an understanding of, you know, how far he can get, have a pull-up. That He's not James Harden, doesn't have that handle, didn't shoot it well. But he's going to be okay. Uh, he's going to be just fine. But it's going to take time. You know, this year little, it's going to take time. He doesn't have a position. There was a reason that Roy Williams controlled his minutes. He's just not ready. Uh, his feel for the game is not good. It's not, a, you know, this is not track. You've got to make decisions. You've got to make plays. So, I, you know, the draft was an interesting draft. I mean, I think the depth of the draft is going to be good. Uh, but no one really jumped out of it. It just went, wow. You know, that guy's going to be just tremendous. We're still fighting a little bit of a tricky signal, so I'll just ask you one more question as we thank you for your time. If you've ever wondered what Coach Greenberg would have sounded like talking through a Darth Vader-style mask, I think that's what we're getting today. I don't. It's nobody's fault. It's just coming. It's it's just coming across that way. We can still tell it's you, Coach, either because of the voice or because of the insight. Since the world, <laughs> since the worldwide leader is carrying the ESPYs tonight. I just wonder if you've ever been there. Have you? I mean, I know you were a head coach. No, uh, no, I'm not. Look, you know me. Am I an ESPY type of guy? Not really. Not nah, really. I, mean, I, I, I have the red carpet and all that. That's for all the guys that really think it's important to be seen. I really don't care if I'm seen or not. I'm seen enough. People have had enough of me. So that's for people that want to act like the big shots. I'm not a guy that likes that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just, you know what? In honoring of Jimmy Valvano, I'm more of a rat. Than a big shot. Uh, more yeah, of a rat than a big shot. I like that. I'm a man of the people. 
Well, we've seen your photos from the family. You and your daughters look like you're always having a good time. So at least from my perspective, man, time spent with family and, and your beautiful kids uh, beats the heck out of a red carpet any day. So thanks for the time and uh, enjoy your time from whatever balcony you're joining us from today. You got it, guys. Thanks for right. Seth Greenberg on Twitter at Seth on Hoops. I don't know why we couldn't get a better signal. There was some Star Wars style interference there, but at least you all could at least understand his words. It was just kind of, I couldn't do that for the usual length of time. So we'll move on. We have two more great guests still to come. Dan Lust is the sports attorney who believes Kevin Durant is maybe the scariest legal plaintiff of all time at the expense of his former team, the Golden State Warriors. He believes KD has a legitimate $1 billion claim after tearing his ACL, or Achilles rather, as a member of the Warriors in this past postseason. KD's public comments have made Dan believe that not all is well between KD and the Warriors, or even Andre Iguodala and the Warriors, as those guys have both moved on and made some public comments that suggest to Dan that maybe lawsuits or eventually some kind of expensive legal settlement are coming down the pike. Dan Lust on tampering in the NBA and also Kevin Durant's potential lawsuit. That's in about 25 minutes. Katie Peralta will give us the Major League Soccer to North Carolina update. She is more covering at the moment the David Tepper Panthers owner wants to woo a team to Bank of America Stadium there in Charlotte. We, of course, have also discussed in some detail Raleigh's pitch to bring an MLS expansion pro, uh, team to this state. We'll get into more of that with Katie in hour number three. We have the NBA on our mind, baseball, the day after the All-Star game. We have a classic sports movie challenge coming at you next hour. Katie Peralta in hour three, Dan Lust later this hour. The U.S. women's national team is moving from the parade or the Canyon of Heroes and the parade in New York City to the ESPYs tonight, where the team could win the best team award, and Alex Morgan could win the best female athlete award. She is one of the finalists. Meanwhile, the equal pay debate continues. Some of you wanted to chime in on this yesterday, but we were busy with other things. You can chime in on it today if you like. Classic sports movie challenge in about 45 minutes, meaning prizes for you for otherwise useless sports trivia information. And how many legitimate candidates are there? for the MLS expansion franchise that becomes MLS team number 30. Now, they could expand beyond 30, but right now, 29 slots are committed. Charlotte wants to be 30. Raleigh wants to be 30. Others want to be 30. How complicated is that picture? We'll save the deeper dive for Katie Peralta next hour. I'll give you the glossy quick overview as we return to your phone calls. Question of the day involves the ACC network. It launches six weeks from tomorrow. And some of the bigger cable and satellite companies have not yet struck a deal with ESPN slash Disney to carry that channel. The question is for you as a sports consumer. Have you ever threatened to change TV providers over access to a sports channel? And how did that turn out? SEC fans, perhaps infamous at times for their passion, were extremely helpful to the SEC in making that league's network launch back in 2014 a very successful launch and it remains successful five years later are there enough extremely passionate rabid acc fans who just don't want to miss ecu against nc state in that football game you know what's on the acc network in week one as well 
defending national champion Clemson against Georgia Tech. Like, are you just going to say, I'll, I'll miss that game? It's, they're the defending national champions. I mean, if you're an ACC fan in general, maybe you shrug your shoulders. If you're a Clemson fan, they only play eight conference games every year. You're going to miss one of them, and it's going to be a Death Valley, and it's going to be only on the ACC network. You're just going to go with the flow on that? Or are you going to change your TV provider and say, hey, unless there are these other, hey, DirecTV is a satellite company. They've already agreed to carry the ACC network. There are other fiber and internet TV companies that have agreed to carry the ACC network. There are actually dozens that have signed up to carry the ACC network. But the biggest TV provider in North Carolina, Spectrum slash Charter, has not yet agreed to carry that deal. Negotiations continue, of course. A price point is part of that negotiation, and perhaps the most difficult part of it. We're six weeks away, so there's no reason to reach for the panic button. But it did lead to our question of the day. Have you ever threatened to change TV providers over access to a sports channel? And how did it turn out? The Masson question is complicated and legalese and Major League Baseball has a role. It's way beyond your cable and satellite provider. These are really simple. You're going to have providers that already have agreed to carry it. And maybe by August 22nd, your current provider still hasn't signed up. I have to change because of my job if it comes to that. What's your answer to that question of the day? 1-800-849-2761. We have had requests for a snippet of Craig Sager, a snippet of Stuart Scott, a snippet of, snippet of Jimmy V, and perhaps the most famous ESPYs speech ever. The 2019 edition is tonight. It will be televised nationally on ABC starting at 8 o'clock. Jimmy V's speech, of course, was from 1993, the very first ESPYs award. Stuart Scott, Craig Sager, and some of the other famous ones more recent than that. We'll give you some chicken soup for your sports soul on the other side as we welcome your calls. 1-800-849-2761. All-star game leftovers. Equal pay in women's soccer. Some of you are adamantly opposed to the idea because you think the women are already overpaid or sufficiently paid. Others are screaming what the heck is going on at the FIFA level or the U.S. soccer level. Those are two different conversations about how much the women get and how much the women deserve. 1-800-849-2761. Your phone calls and those headlines next on the David Glenn Show. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. There are three things we all should do every day. We do this every day of our life. You're going to what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. That is a heck of a day. Jimmy V, there is no doubt about it. He uttered those words at the original ESPYs. That was in 1993. Of course, he died not too long after that. 
but he lives on through the V Foundation. That battle against cancer continues. The ESPY Awards are tonight, much different place on the calendar than back then. Jimmy V was speaking, I believe it was March of 1993. Years ago, they moved the ESPYs to this point in July. Why? There is no live there are no live games in any of the biggest sports we follow, college or pro, on the calendar. Today, again, is the only day out of 365 where that can be said accurately. The most requested ESPY-style speech we have had in the first half of today's program as we look forward to Dan Lust's sports attorney, does Kevin Durant really have a legitimate $1 billion lawsuit legitimately against the Golden State Warriors? Dan Lust says he does. And what does the NBA do about tampering rules? Dan has worked in the agent industry on that side of things. He's an attorney in New York City with a specialty in sports law. Some believe the NBA should just abandon the tampering rules at all of, uh, entirely because nobody's following them anyway. Dan believes he has a way of tweaking the collective bargaining agreement so that it does not become the charade that it has become. 1-800-849-2761. If you'd like in on the question of the day, that involves the ACC network. Six weeks before launch, the ACC is still asking you as consumers to call your provider to make sure it has signed up to carry the ACC network. I believe it's four of the seven biggest providers in the United States have not yet agreed to carry the ACC network. So good news, three of the top seven have. Bad news, four of the top seven have not. Now, the numbers vary here in North Carolina. When I say the biggest, I mean nationwide. There are ACC fans everywhere, but they do tend to be more, po more populous in the states where there are ACC members, and especially in the states where there are original ACC members, you know, Clemson in South Carolina, the four here in North Carolina, the one and eventually two with Virginia Tech in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Those negotiations continue. Have you ever threatened to change TV providers over access to a sports channel? Large numbers of people did that prior to the SEC network launch five years ago. It has aided the success of that league's channel to the point where it is cranking out mega millions of dollars for those schools in that very wealthy league, the Southeastern Conference. The ACC has fallen behind the Big Ten and the SEC financially. These networks are one of the reasons they're trying to correct that. They know the new ACC network, which launches August 22nd and has a lot of exclusive programming, including big-time ACC football games and big-time ACC basketball games. You won't be able to get them unless your provider is carrying them or you go to the game in person. This is a big deal to the league, monstrous, but it's also a big deal to you if you're a serious ACC fan and you really want access to those biggest games, even in those biggest sports. 1-800-849-2761. That is your ticket into the program. Uh, Stuart Scott's SB speech is the most requested we have received so far today. We mentioned at the top of the show that whichever one was requested most often, and for longtime listeners, you know that Jimmy V's entire speech, or a huge chunk of it, is played at least once a year here on the David Glenn Show. The only audio that can say that besides Jimmy V's inspirational speech from 1993 is actually a the Bill Murray Scrooge scene that we play every year around the holidays. So this is an exclusive list. It is hard to join this list. 
But today's most requested SB speech, Darren Vaught, is the now late Stuart Scott of ESPN. He, of course, was a proud graduate of the University of North Carolina, well-liked by a whole lot of people in our statewide audience. Here was Stuart Scott with his inspirational words at an SB Award event years ago. Every day I am reminded that our life's journey is really about the people who touch us. When I first heard that I was going to be honored with this reward, the very first thing that I did was I was speechless, briefly. I've presented this award before. I mean, I've watched in awe as Kay Yao and Eric Legrand and all these other great people grace this stage. And although intellectually, I get it, I'm a public figure, I have a public job, I'm battling cancer, hopefully I'm inspiring. At my gut level, I really didn't think that I belonged with those great people. But I listened to what Jim Balvano said 21 years ago. The most poignant seven words ever uttered in any speech anywhere. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Those great people didn't. Coach Valvano didn't. So to be honored with this, I now have a responsibility to also not ever give up. I'm not special. I just listened to what the man said. I listened to all that he said, everything that he asked of us. And that's to build the V Foundation. And let me tell you, man, it works. I'm talking tangible benefits. You saw me in that clinical trial. Now, here's the thing about that. Coach Balvano's words 21 years ago, helping me and thousands of people like me right now, direct benefits. That's why all of this, why we're here tonight, that's why it's so important. I also realized something else recently. You heard me kind of allude to it in the piece. I said, I'm not losing. I'm still here, I'm fighting. I'm not losing. But I gotta amend that. When you die, that does not mean that you lose to cancer. You beat cancer by how you live, why you live, and in the manner in which you live. All right, the three most requested SB speeches were Jimmy Valvano, Stuart Scott, and Craig Sager. We've been able to give you two of those three in the first half of the show. We do have a classic sports movie challenge coming in 30 minutes. We play the audio. You guess the name of the classic sports movie as it has been voted one of the top 50 of all time by our statewide audience here in North Carolina. Yesterday, it was The Sandlot. Matt in Wilmington called even before he heard the audio. Wasn't even sure it was The Sandlot, but guessed the first baseball movie that came to his mind, and he was right. Intern Will dazzled us with all sorts of little-known little, little known yet often fascinating tidbits and details on The Sandlot and how it was made. Darren and I added some tidbits of our own. We will do the same with today's classic sports movie. That'll be in 30 minutes, so somebody gets a prize, and it will be intern Philip of Appalachian State University on the hot seat to dazzle us with details about the movie that I am not allowed to name, and I have again made it halfway through today's show without accidentally letting the name of that movie slip. It is another of my all-time favorites, and again, I am not pressuring the interns. My only request is not make it one of my favorites. It's make it one of the top 50 as voted by the state of North Carolina and our sports fans. All right, Darren, among the ESPY awards that will be handed out tonight, you're a baseball guy. There are four finalists for best Major League Baseball player. Here they are. And I expect you to have your objectivity cap on, okay? Mookie Betts, 
Boston Red Sox. You mean the greatest baseball player to ever live, <laughs> Mookie Betts. Jacob DeGrom of the New York Mets, one heck of a pitcher. Blake Snell of the Rays and Christian Yelich of the Milwaukee Brewers. Those are your four finalists. You know, there's a best male golfer award, you know, Brooks Kepka, Justin Rose, Tiger Woods, Francesco Molinari. Again, I don't think it's the calendar year as much as last summer to this summer. The biggest categories, and you can give me a baseball answer whenever you're ready. The biggest categories are best team. I, I would consider that one of the highlights, right? Red Sox, Patriots, Clemson football Tigers, Virginia basketball Cavaliers, Toronto Raptors, Baylor Lady Bears in basketball, or the U.S. women's national team. Hence, that's why they're flying from the parade in New York City to L.A. as we speak. Best male athlete. Also includes Mookie, Mookie Betts of your Boston Red Sox. His competition is Giannis Antetokounmpo of the NBA's Milwaukee Bucks, Brooks Kepka, multi-major winner from the golf world, and Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs, the quarterback who put up some insane numbers last year. Uh, what do you think? You just going with a Mookie sweep here? You I get- think th- that Mookie is included as a nominee for best male athlete is indicative of where he stands in the best baseball player ranking, right? Yelich is not a I, candidate for, go. for best Some male SAT athlete. logic there. So that's that's me using objectivity to also pick my subjective pick. Okay, so bets. all right, so let's just go right down your ballot. Mookie is your vote over DeGrom, Snell, and Yelich as the best baseball player. I think he legs out Yelich okay. by just a bit. I have no objection yet. Now he's now he's in the best male athlete. Kapka, Antetokounmpo, yeah, this is tough Mahomes. Company. You still sticking with Mookie? I think it's, I think it's probably Pat Mahomes, but he, it's close. You know what's interesting? I vote in a lot of awards. You know, Atlantic Coast Sports Media Association, U.S. Basketball Writers Association, Football Writers Association of America, and others. And when it comes to a lot of awards, I ask. Are team accomplishments allowed to be included, or is it just all about the individual? Sure. Like there's an M- That's a worthy question. You know, there's an MOP concept, most outstanding player. There's an MVP concept, most valuable player. And some of them don't really give you very much direction at all. It's just like, whatever, DJ, just give us a name, you know. Some of them are very specific about it. Some of them actually involve, like, character or off-the-court type stuff, right? So, when to me, when you channel the two together, Giannis... And the Bucks fell short of their ultimate goal collectively, even though he was one of the best players in the NBA. Patrick Mahomes was one of the best players in the NFL, but the, they collectively fell short of their goal. Mookie Betts was the best player in Major League Baseball and the leader of a team. I like that the way you're thinking. Won it all, and I'm not a Red Sox fan. I'm just kind of helping your helping your guys' no, candidacy Kep- here. Kepka is, Kepka a tough, is different. That's a tough out. And I'm trying to remember, like. Again, it depends. <laughs> the, which of his major championships apply to this this yeah, like campaign? Yeah, one, one major, <laughs> one major out of the last four would not be Mookie Betts like. But you, at, at one point, I'm trying to remember what does he have right now. <laughs> T- Tiger won the Masters. The British Open has not play, been played yet, and we had the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open in between. Now there was a stretch, remember where Brooks Kepka was winning the golf majors truly half of the time. If you have two of the last four at the time the vote is taken, that's hard to overcome. If anybody could do it, it would be Mookie Betts, individual and collective accomplishment. But the timing of the vote would matter a lot, I would think.
with Brooks Kepka. And the last 12 months might be a little different than, say, if the vote was due in May. I, I yeah. don't know. I, I guess, is there a possibility that he had three of the last four in that time? It depends. I'm trying to remember. It depends on the, the, yeah, the, where, the way the calendar where they shave the calendar. All right, I'll figure that out during the break. On the <laughs> other side, Dan Lust is a sports attorney in New York City who believes, and he's worked on the agency side of the sports world as well, he believes that Kevin Durant is the scariest legal plaintiff of all time. I believe Dan has some of the details on ESPY's host, Tracy Morgan, and his mega-million-dollar lawsuit against Walmart after that auto accident, where Walmart had to sign in eight figures, like eight numbers to the left of the dot check to settle that lawsuit. Dan Lust believes that Kevin Durant's potential lawsuit against the Golden State Warriors could be worth more than a billion dollars with a B. That would set all sorts of records. Dan Lust also has some ways for the NBA to respond to what is essentially the charade of asking NBA officials not to tamper until a certain deadline expires when everybody's laughing those rules right out of the building. Dan Lust, sports attorney from New York City, joins us live next on The David Glenn Show. Kurt Busch is joining us, 38-year-old champion of the Daytona 500. I went out with Gronk last night after uh, after we won the race. Did you really? It was fun. Got about an hour's sleep. I asked him, I go, hey, when do you have to report to training camp? He goes, July. I said, well, we can't be friends because i got to <laughs> go back to racing. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest has been doing some fascinating work in, I'd say, a corner of the sports business world as it overlaps with the sports legal world. When you and I saw Kevin Durant get hurt in the playoffs as a member of the Golden State Warriors, I think we all wondered, without knowing all the details, did the Warriors steer him in a dangerous direction? Did they give him bad medical advice? Did they miscalculate the risks so that KD would try to come back? And as, of course, we all know by now, he ended up tearing his Achilles. Well, our guest, Dan Lust, a sports attorney in New York City, who's been writing and talking a lot about both Kevin Durant as the scariest legal plaintiff of all time and also how he, as a guy who's worked on the sports agency side of things as well, how he would handle what has become the charade of NBA tampering rules. Dan joins us now. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. How do you describe, and I loved your reaction to Jay Williams' comments about this, uh, even the Warriors' lightning-fast retirement of Kevin Durant's jersey number you saw through legal lenses. What makes Kevin Durant the scariest legal plaintiff of all time? David, thank you for that introduction. Uh, I will tell you, uh, I was home watching just like everyone else was. My wife says when I go home, I'm not allowed to do legal work. But <laughs> when I saw Durant go down, my brain just started churning. Um, and I like this uh, that scariest legal plaintiff of all time. It doesn't sound like goat, but I think we can call it like the slippo, right? <laughs> we, we, can make that, we can make that work. He's the slipper. The, the, the slipper. <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll, you know, it's, it's a lot here. Um, and I think what's just telling about this, I wrote two articles. I wrote a first one that was just academic, that was just if he made out a claim 
you know, and then I'll, I'll get into the, the elements of it. But if he made it out, I did all the math, and I'll get you to that nice number of a billion because I know I can sense the skeptics through the lines. Sure. They, they think I'm just this guy from New York throwing out big numbers. Um, but I, I did an article like that, and then the next week, all that, that fun stuff started happening. The Jersey retirement, Iguodala getting traded. So uh, there's a lot here. Um, so let's just jump right into it. And, uh, you know, I'm an attorney, so I want to give it to you. And, David, I know you're an attorney as well. I want to kind of give it to you as I would state my legal case. Sure. So we're really going to answer two questions. We're going to answer, number one, how likely is this lawsuit? And, number two, the big, the big billion-dollar question, how much would this be for? Um, so first and foremost, this is a medical malpractice suit. What, what everyone's kind of thinking is how did the warrior staff clear him? How did that happen? So that's what we would call medical malpractice. Um, this case, when you start a lawsuit, you have to figure out where the venue is, and that's where the venue is going to cho choose your law for you. So although this actual injury happened in, in Toronto, it happened in Canada, um, all the various medical decisions happened with people that live in the state of California. Uh, the Warriors are based there. Durant lived there. So this would be a California lawsuit, most likely. Um, and, and under California law, in order to state a medical malpractice claim, it's just basic four elements. They sound fancy. It's nothing crazy. You have to show that the doctor owed a duty to the patient. Here, that's Durant. That he breached that duty. And in medical malpractice, that means by rendering some diagnosis or giving some advice which deviates from the standard of care that's commonplace in that profession. Uh, that just means that he gave him bad advice. That's not typical. Uh, number three, you have to show that that bad advice or whatever he said caused some type of financial harm. Yeah. Okay. So now we're all on the same page. Um, where this became, uh, where, this, where this stopped being academic and where my legal brain really started churning, it wasn't after Durant hasn't played for a month and they put him in the game. That, you know, maybe he's pulling a Willis Reed. People have done that, right? It wasn't when he fell down cl clutching his, his leg. It wasn't even when Bob Myers said, blame me, blame me, blame me. Right. What, what happened the next day and also the following day is really where I said there's something here. So... Jay Williams um, is not just uh, a former basketball player. He's not just a guy that has career cut short with a, a tragic leg injury. He's Kevin Durant's very close friend, yes. and he's on ESPN. The day after the accident or the, the injury, he gets up and he says three things. He says Durant was misdiagnosed. That's a very scary word for, for doctors, okay? He said he was misdiagnosed. Number two, that, that Williams knows for a fact that there was, quote, no chance, that Kevin Durant was told that there was no chance of an Achilles injury. Mm. And number three, he says that the Warriors didn't have his best interests at heart because if they did, he would never be anywhere near the floor, that they'd be resting him for him to sign a Supermax of five years. So that was one, but, but David, there's more, okay? That was, that was I'm, like, I'm like, Williams isn't saying this yeah. for no reason. Okay, this is, this is someone that's really close. It's like, David, if your best friend got in the air and was talking about your Achilles, you'd probably disown him if he just pulled this out of no his kidding. You know? yeah. So, So that wasn't it. So if that wasn't it enough for the media tour, the next day, okay, the real MVP, Wanda Durant, comes on Good Morning America and says, my son couldn't clear himself. The doctors had to clear him. It couldn't have been my son's fault. The doctors had a separate obligation. Uh, and that's really – and I'm going to turn it over to you, David. I want this, the hot bench responses because this – what I'm about to tell you is what the Twitter trolls try to pound me on. And I will – I go in every platform I can to tell them that this is not a, a valid response. Sure. The Twitter trolls will say Durant wanted to play. Durant cleared himself. He assumed the risk. That's another legal term. Sure. Uh, so, therefore, there's no lawsuit. Under the NBA-CBA, in order to return to the court – 
it's a dual decision. Okay, Durant has to clear himself, uh, and then separately, irrespective of anything Durant does, the Warriors have to clear him. Uh, and if the Warriors cleared him based off some type of fraudulent concealment, type of, you know, when they intentionally didn't have the right, um, you know, his best interest at heart, that's actionable, regardless of what Durant does on his own end. And just as a point of reference, so your, your listeners can see this isn't a unique situation, we saw this exact thing play out the year before with Kawhi Leonard. One side approved, the other side did not. So Kawhi has no – Durant doesn't have to come back, but he's going to have to listen to what the doctors say. So the allegation, if this was in a court of law, is that Durant relied in part on the warrior saying, Kevin, there is zero chance of an Achilles injury here. Dan Lust is joining us on the David Glenn Show. He mentioned Twitter trolls, so go ahead and follow him on Twitter <laughs> at DLust. First initial, last name at D Lust, and then E S Q for Esquire at D Lust E S Q. You might have this number, but just to put this in perspective, and of course, even if the value of a lawsuit would be potentially one billion plus, um, mm-hmm. of, you know, settlements tend to be much smaller than that. With Tracy Morgan hosting the ESPYS tonight, as time would have it. Is he the biggest legal settlement you've ever seen? It's not medical malpractice, but I've read that it was an eight-figure settlement with loss with uh, Walmart. Is that as about as large as you've ever seen? Well, I, I want to specify. So, so that's a number that's out there. He's he's denying it, but he has. A, that's the people deny when they win the lottery because they don't want people to know how much money <laughs> right. they win. Right, and that's the same thing with Colin Kaepernick. We'll never know how much he settled for because they don't want to set that cap. Um, why, why I said Dur- Durant was the scariest plaintiff, emphasis on plaintiff, um, there's been class action suits that have been you know, much more than this, right? Sure. The, uh, the World Trade Center litigation, that was in the hundreds and hundreds of millions, if not billions. Um, but this is one guy, yep. and Tracy Morgan doesn't make a fraction of what Kevin Durant makes. I don't know how much they're paying him for the ESPYs. I guarantee you they're not paying him $80 million <laughs> right. a year like Durant's making. So why, why I posit this, and this is why it blew up with Ravel and Levitard and everyone talking about a lawsuit, is because in the history of the law, it's, not, it's just common sense. Who makes this much money, and it's, it's so tied to their ability to jump high? It's just no one has paid this much money to do it. Maybe there's been people that have paid to you know, pole vault or something like that, but the economics of basketball plus this, this cloudiness around this injury is a very scary proposition. Uh, Durant makes close to $80 million in one year, um, and this is really why this has taken off. The Achilles, historically, unless your name is Dominique Wilkins, you lose years off of your career. Yeah. And we're all sitting here maybe a month ago, right, before this injury happened, you know, I, I don't think it's crazy to say that LeBron is going to play out the rest of his career on max contracts. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Durant is going to be like that anymore. And a perfect example for your listeners, Wes Matthews, right? He's yeah. nowhere near the premier player conversation. But four years ago, he was. He signed a max contract with the Dallas Mavericks. He tore his Achilles in his contract year. The same exact situation. He signed as a max, and it was a terrible investment on the Mavericks' part. He ended up, you know, becoming a role player, getting 10 points a game, uh, 12 points a game. Um, David, do you know what, what West Matthews just signed for two days ago, three days ago? A very small fraction of the big number. <laughs> he he signed for 2.56 million over one year. That's a guy that doesn't have that many years left. And four years ago. He was a max player. Unbelievable. So it's, it's a lot of money that's on the table, and it doesn't have to be a billion dollars. I'm saying a billion dollars if this is an Isaiah Thomas-type injury. Isaiah Thomas never played basketball again after he suffered his Achilles. Could, Durant, could you know, Will Durant come back? We hope so. 
but let's not say it's, it's, it's a given. The American Journal of Sports Medicine says, historically, in the history of basketball, you have a 40% chance of making it back to the NBA. Mm. It, this isn't just coming back and being, oh, oh, you know, Durant's going to be 80% of himself, so it's worth the max. That's not the Achilles. We just saw Boogie Cousins come back in the finals. He was a complete shell of himself. His mind wanted to do stuff that his body wasn't letting him do. Uh, and Boogie maybe make, may have a good recovery in the, in the scope of this. Um, but this is a very serious issue. And, and if Durant misses one year, two years, he's going to blow and shatter all of the records for the highest compensatory damages case brought by an individual. Dan Lust is joining us. He's an attorney for Goldberg Sagala in New York City. He has a specialist in sports law. He has even worked in the sports agency world. I only have about a minute for this one, Dan. But we did oh, yeah. discuss your additional commentary about the NBA tampering rules kind of being ignored and just uh, irrelevant to some degree. I saw David Aldridge say, just get rid of these rules entirely. You actually, what, have an idea to tweak the collective bargaining agreement to at least make them have some teeth? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I just moved apartments. I broke my lease early. There's a penalty for doing that. Yeah. The, in, the, in the world that we live in, contracts mean something. It's not just about how much you're getting paid. It's about how long you're tied to your employer. And what the NBA has basically said is contract law doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. You know, you can tamper. Paul George has two years left. doesn't matter. Anthony Davis has two years left. doesn't matter. Kawhi has two years left. It doesn't matter. So we have a, we have a concept. I mean, just, just for the CBA, the CBA has a maximum fine for tampering at $50,000, okay? The max contract in the NBA is $221 million. <laughs> so, I mean, tamper, tamper 100 times. It doesn't, even, it doesn't matter. Magic Johnson got fined $500,000. It's, it's the literal drop in the bucket for people that are making this money. Um, there's a concept in the law which I'm hoping uh, the league kind of listens to, and, and they really, if they don't care, fine, but if they want to stop it, they have to change it. There's a Real concept quick. called loss. Yeah, lost profits. Basically, David, if I come and steal you from your radio agency and I bring you to mine, uh, then I'm in t then to take the company that I took you from is entitled to the money you would have otherwise made if you stayed. If you're bringing mm. all these extra listeners, lost profits takes from the takes from the rich and gives to the poor. It's not just a one-sided unilateral fine or losing draft picks, which is also one-sided. So the CBA doesn't have a mechanism to take from one and thereby give to the other, which is what the CBA really should be focused on doing. Dan Lust, sports attorney in New York City. He is on Twitter at DLustESQ. Great first visit, man. We'll keep you in the Rolodex, as the old saying goes. Uh, thank you for your time on the David Glenn Show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You got it. I liked his hypothetical there, Darren, with me being the guy lured away. So that would, what, make I'd be the second most dangerous plaintiff to Kevin Durant? No, I don't think it works that way. But it's nice to think about. 1-800-849-2761. Katie, Katie Peralta of the Charlotte Observer and the News and Observer has an update on the MLS coming to the great state of North Carolina. She drops by live in about 45 minutes. Time for your phone calls, including equal pay in soccer, the All-Star Game, the ESPYs tonight. We'll hear part of the famous Craig Sager speech. More chicken soup for your sports soul. Some NBA leftovers. The ACC Network is just six weeks away from launch. We'll get into a little bit of a lot of things with your help on the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show.